So this morning, we're continuing in this series from some of the Psalms that we're calling Formed, Psalms that Shape Us. And uh, again, God's just provision, timeliness for us as we think about uh, words from Scripture that might prove comforting and encouraging and instructive for us in a season just like this. Uh, we land on uh, in this wonderful portion of Scripture. Um, I want to just, before we read though, kind of take you, sort of pull back the curtain and take you a little bit behind the scenes uh, and invite you into a room where uh, a group of worship leaders from our church meets, uh, usually about every month. Uh, sometimes it's a little sooner if we don't get as many services planned, or it's a little longer if we do good work. And, and usually the room is right over there, and we set up a table right where y'all are seated, and we kind of gather around there. But it, sometimes it's in my office, sometimes it was actually in Trisha's bedroom as we gathered around here in the last couple of years. Um, it, it really has been different spaces, but and over the years that, that number has been two or three or five, and it's just different worship team members or leaders who gather together to, to just think about songs that we want to sing and, and plan the music for the Sundays that are going to come uh, up. And we usually try to plan about three or four Sundays at a time, as I sort of mentioned, and I'm asked to bring uh, a, my, my sermon plans, my passages of scripture that we'll be preaching on and the themes that uh, we may be working with on those days and then from this incredibly long list of songs that we have added to for years and years and years without really ever taking any away, um, we sort of sit there and we, we begin to select songs. We try to listen to the Spirit and we, and we try to examine lyrical content and kind of music, uh, musical features and, and, and pacing and and keys and all these kinds of different things to, to put together some songs that we hope will help our congregation to connect with the Lord and to experience, uh, be able to express ourselves to Him in song and also to hear uh, from what He might want to be saying to us in those moments. And then invariably, this is kind of what I want to get to. At some point in each planning session, uh, one or more of the participants will seem to get a sudden flash of inspiration. And uh, we'll be talking, and there's this interesting kind of collaboration that begins to go on, and we'll be thinking about, and suddenly someone will just, you'll see a light go on, and they'll start typing feverishly on their computer keyboard or into their phone and then they'll go have you guys heard this one because i think this would go really good right here and people will kind of stop the rest of the group will stop and go well what is it and they'll go and suddenly music will come from the computer or from the phone and they'll begin to play the song and there'll be moments of listening to the song. And the person who's playing it will be looking for those nods of approval. Or those <laughs> kind of shakes of uncertainty. And, and, and the song will end or a portion will be played. And, 
and, and there will usually instantly be either a, oh yeah, let's do that, or a, yeah, let's think about that one for a little while. And you know what think it, let's think about that one for a little while means, right? Yeah, we're not doing that one, most likely. Um, but the songs will be added in, one by one. And we have, again, this, this pro computer program that helps us to do it. We move them in, and then we just let, we kind of let Jeremy work his, his spirit-led magic as he, as he orders them and does great work in putting all those things together. And, and musicians are added, and media team members are assigned, and we trust that the Lord will somehow bless the work of our hands. But it's crazy to think about, um, I, as I was thinking about this, how all the old songs that we sing, the oldies, at, at least not, not like the, you know, from the 50s, or, but the oldies as in the Christian oldies, like the hymns or some early choruses, it's crazy to think that they were all new songs at one point. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the local congregation that sang Amazing Grace for the first time? Or, and can it be? And we were like, who's this Charles Wesley guy? You know, what, what does he really know about writing songs? Or, who's John Newton? I, and I just, I imagine that even as, as the congregants left the church, they were like, yeah, that amazing, amazing Grace, is that what he called it? Yeah, it was kind of hard to pick up, didn't you think? A little bit of murmuring, maybe. A little bit of grumbling. But it was a new song. Lord, I lift your name on high. Does anybody remember when that was a new song? Shout to the Lord. Man, we sang that like every Sunday for about four years, it feels like. What a great song. Mighty to save. What about this one? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. That was a new song at one point. And actually, it's kind of getting sung in certain circles again these days. They were all new at one point, and congregations had to try them out. We have to try them out. And they patiently would learn the words, the notes, the rhythms. And, and some of them stuck, and some of them didn't. But the ones that stuck, and the ones that stick with us, are helpful because these new songs, these new songs help us to say something to God or about God in a way that maybe we just haven't said it or sung it before. And for some reason, the phraseology or the music, the notation, it just helps us to, to express ourselves in a, in a fresh way. Something maybe that we, we've wanted to say. Some, have you ever sung a new chorus and you're just like, I've wanted to say that for years. And, and, and now I can say it. And, and they help us to express ourselves in new and fresh ways. And, and sometimes they can be hard to sing at first. But, but I just uh, want to speak out in favor of, of the new song this morning. And the old song. That was a new song at one point. But another reason why we talk about new songs and why we sing new songs, you need to know this, is because the scriptures instruct us to. In fact, if, if, if we never sang any new songs, we would be disobeying the Bible. And uh, we're, again, looking at the Psalms today, and so we're in Psalm 98. If you have your Bible, you can 
open there. Um, and, and we come to this, this psalm, which is a... See if you can trace this with me. It's a new song that instructs us to sing a new song so that we might become the kind of people who sing new songs. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it kind of does to me. It's a new song that instructs us to sing new songs so that we might become the kind of people that continually sing new songs. Let's stand together as I read this for us and hear this call to worship. Sing a new song to the Lord, for He's done wonderful things. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown His saving power. The Lord has announced His victory and has revealed His righteousness to every nation. He has remembered His promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord. There it is. All the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and melodious song. With trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony. Make a joyful noise. (laughs) Before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout His praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. This psalm belongs to a rather small collection of psalms known as the enthronement psalms. The enthronement, lifting up on the throne psalms that were presumably sung among the Hebrew people at festivals when they gathered together to celebrate the Lord Yahweh as their king. This small group of psalms were sung most likely by these Hebrew folks as they gathered together just to, to, to declare and announce that the Lord, our God, is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. In the Old Testament, there's not necessarily a, a belief that other gods didn't exist. It was, there's the belief that, that Yahweh, the, the God of Israel, is the Lord of lords. The one over them all, and we might still acknowledge that today, that there's other little G gods that exist in the world in which we live. Materialism and, and power and, and you name it, consumption, all these kinds of things that want to lord themselves over us. But they would want to say, and we would want to say by saying this psalm, that God, you are the king, Yahweh, Lord of lords, you are the king of kings, the Lord of lords, you are the one to truly be worshipped and acknowledged. And unlike several of the other Psalms, in fact, one of the ones that we looked at last week with Pastor Danny, Psalm 98 has no specific historical reference. It just says, as you can see there uh, at the beginning, uh, in your Bible perhaps, it just says it is a psalm. It's a psalm. 
And uh, thank you very much. We appreciate all the information. And there are lots of scholars that have tried to conjecture or tried to, to, to think about why this psalm would have been written and when it would have been written. And it's possible that it was written in response to God's leading of his people Israel out of slavery in Egypt in the Exodus. It's possible that it could have been written in relation to God guiding them through the wilderness wanderings and into the promised land. It's possible that it could have been written in response to God leading them back from exile in Babylon back to their homeland in Israel. It, it's possible that, that it could have been any of these times. But, but for us, it's helpful that it isn't necessarily identified because here we have a song that is helping us to realize that at any time when God has displayed his victorious power, when any time when God has displayed his wonderful works in the face of whatever discouragement and despair, any time when God has acted and moved on behalf of his people, this is a good song to sing. This is a new song that we should sing. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing about His wonderful deeds. Sing about His amazing power. Sing about His love and His faithfulness. Oh, and sing loud. Sing loud. Use every noisemaker <laughs> Every instrument, every horn, every tambourine, every harp and lyre, lyre, how do you want to say it, Greg, my musical expert down here, every stringed instrument, how about that, use it all as we lift our voices, as we raise the roof in expressing our praise and glory and honor to God, in fact, with every noise you make, you'll just be joining in the noises that creation will be making as well as the mountains and the rivers and the seas express their worship to God. For He is, He was, and He is coming soon to bring justice to the world. According to this new song... When God's people first think about God, our instinct should be to give Him praise. Now, I don't know how well you do with that. Let's just kind of be, let's just kind of be honest for a minute. Let's just sort of pause and, and reflect on how we do with that. It's not always my first thought when I think about God. Instead, when we think about God, we ask God for things. Or we ask things of God. We, we want to know. We, we bring our questions. And in days like the days that we're walking through with the Guiling family, we bring our uncertainties. Perhaps even we bring our doubts. We bring all these kinds of things, and, and none of these things are bad or wrong by any means. God invites it all. But this 
psalm would invite us to consider that our first instinct in singing a new song ought to be words of praise. It's hard for us. We, we have a schedule. We need to be efficient. We have things to get done. I've scheduled seven and a half minutes for this prayer time, God, and I've got about six minutes worth of things I need to talk to you about. And maybe in the last minute or so, we can get to that praise stuff. But it seems so kind of inefficient. It feels almost kind of wasteful. It doesn't really seem to do anything or accomplish much. Praise doesn't have a schedule. (laughs) And that's what Psalm 98 reminds us of. To, To praise God, and maybe we might spend the first seven of that seven and a half minutes simply being amazed at the greatness of God. How might that impact and change the way that we would live the rest of our days and the rest of the situations that we feel like we may need to pray about if we spent that time, first of all, perhaps simply being amazed at the goodness, at the greatness of God. What what if we were to spend time simply praising God by enjoying and celebrating His love as is done here in Psalm 98, expressing uh, our gratitude to Him for all that He has done? One person that I read this week said it like this. He said, praise doesn't ask, what have you done for me lately? But it declares how great thou art. How great thou art. The message of this psalm is really quite simple. It breaks down actually into three nice parts. It's what God has done. The, the, this, this king who has been faithful in the past, verses 1 through 3, is deserving of our worship and our praise, verses 4 through 6 and into 7 a little bit, because in verse 9, He's coming again, and He will set all things right. But it's those verses in the middle that I spoke with the kids about that perhaps are catching our attention a little bit as well. The, uh, the enthusiasm of the Israelite worship is center stage here in this psalm. And I just, I just think that we, we dare not miss it. We just, on a, on a, on a you know, we're, we're the kind of people that, you know, and we're the kind of church that we, we raise our hands every once in a while, and there's some amens. There's a few shouts from time to time. There's some great stringed instruments and drums that are being played up here. There's some wonderful sounds emerging from this congregation in praise to God. I, and, and all I would ever want to say is, according to the Scriptures, let's make sure that continues. Let's make sure that that is a part of who we are in our worship. Here, shouts are raised. Praises are sung, musical instruments are played, and horns are blown. Anybody got a ram's horn? I'm sure, Doug, you could find one somewhere, probably, and uh, bring that in. The noise, and Scripture references this, the noise of temple worship was 
was legendary. There's parts in Scripture and passages we could look to that just talk about the legendary status. All creation, the psalm writer wants to remind us, join in the chorus. This new song is teaching us to sing a new song. This and it's teaching us to be people who sing new songs with enthusiasm. But here's the thing. This, as I told the kids, let me just remind us, we're not making noise just to, just to make noise. The, the, the songs that we're taught to sing are, are sung with a... With a, a, a amidst the reality of the world in which we live. The, the, the songs that are sung are sung within the framework of knowing that there is one who is coming that will judge the world with justice and fairness, and he hasn't done it quite yet. He will, so we sing with hope and with anticipation. But in the meantime, we sing in, in the face of these realities that we come up against every day. I, I do. I mention Greg from time to time and his songwriting um, skills and passion. And uh, I'm just going to talk about you for a second, Greg. So if you don't want to listen, you don't have to. But um, I, I just, I love it because Greg is one of those who has not only looked up a new song in our worship leader meetings and played it out, but he's one who has said, what do you think of this one? Greg, that's you. Exactly. And he just, he'll bring song, and he's seen sometimes when he played one of his songs and the whole room went, ah, okay. And then he's seen other times when he played it and everyone went, love you, Greg. Bless your heart. Right? Bless your heart. That's code, right? You know that. It's code. Pastor James, bless your heart. Thanks for that sermon today. Um, but, but, but what Greg does is he just keeps writing songs. This is what's kind of crazy to me because there's a couple times where we've just kind of looked at him and said, yeah. not, not we, let's be personal. I have written Greg back or looked him in the face and said, that is never going to work, my friend. <laughs> it's so interesting, but I don't, I don't, I, but he just keeps writing them. You know what? Because Greg's a, he's a composer. He's a songwriter. In his, in his guts, in his bones, that's kind of what he does. And, and he sent me one a few weeks ago. I was sitting on my patio on the, I don't know, Sunday afternoon? I can't even remember now. And I was just kind of sitting on a chair, and my phone buzzes, and I look up, look at it, and there's Greg. Try this one. <laughs> and uh, audio recording, and I listened to it, and I was like. And then I tried to sing it myself a couple of times, and then I actually made my own audio recording and <laughs> sung it and sent it back to Greg, and I said, did I get it right? And he's like, almost. 
And I said, I think that's got something there for us. He just keeps writing songs. And, and, and I think there's just something beautiful in that sing a new, sing a new song. See, I think God's, the people of God are to be people who in our bones just keep singing new songs. In the face of adversity, we write a new song. We sing of God's faithfulness and His strength to help us overcome. In the face of abuse, we sing a new song. A song that sings of God's comfort and His love and His peace. In, in the face of loss and grief and brokenness, God's people sing new songs. Songs of provision and deliverance and presence. And I don't know what your situation is right now or what it will be in days to come, but your song will always be one that points back to what God has done. Sorry, points back to what God has done and points forward to what God will do. And as we do this, more and more, the songs that we sing the praises that we offer become a part of who we are. And these new songs that have taught us to sing new songs have, before we know it, shaped us to be people. Like clay on the potter's wheel who nevertheless I will sing a new invite our worship team to come. They're going to help us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these reminders today and for the invitation that this new song gives us to sing new songs, to become people who continually sing new songs. And we want more than anything, God, to be a people who are shaped in such a way that our, our instinctive response, our instinctive cry to You at the very core of who we are is one of praise, is one of worship. In the face of whatever our circumstance may be, nevertheless, to, to join with the creation all around us, in lifting ourselves in praise to You. It doesn't negate or somehow erase the reality of the circumstance in which we find ourselves, but it helps us to locate ourselves and most importantly, to locate You right in the middle of it. You're our, our way-making God. And we praise you today.